0: It is good to be with all of you. This is spring, right? It's like some of you are getting off spring break, and you're either like, oh, now I gotta go back to work and back to school and all this stuff. So we're just glad to have you in worship this morning. And Kyle, you have a great pastor, don't you? That's pretty pathetic. Come on, you have a great pastor. Oh, there we go. There we go. And your staff isn't too bad either, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, so we are grateful to be here. I am starting my uh, report, and so when Kyle asked me that question, I know the exact answer, kind of, (laughs) because we we have 101 organized churches, but I'm going to report here within a few weeks. We have 116 fluid churches. (laughs) That means. That means we are in the process and we're almost there. And so uh, it's pretty cool what's going on. If I told you stories across the district, you'd be absolutely thrilled to death. Little churches that just have just struggled for years are averaging 60. Over in Caney, Kansas, they got got 60 people. They have special events and pack the church out. They are remodeling because they have so many people, they don't have enough room. So they have tore out their old stage. And they're remodeling, and I can tell you story after story what God is doing, and he is so good, and he's doing something fresh and new across our district and in your local church, and aren't you glad of that today? So thanks for for being here, and thanks for loving on your pastor and his family. We're really grateful, really grateful. Well, I don't know about you, but I have never shot anyone. Well... All right, let's exclude the Red Rider experience. For all of you young ones, you just missed that whole thing. You're like, a Red Rider. Well, well, that was really nice. What's that? Red Rider is a BB gun. Now you put the story together. And so, how many of you had a Red Rider growing up as a kid? I see some hands out there. There we go. There we go. All right, so, so I'm, I'm just saying, I know somebody that shot somebody with a red rider. Are you, kind of that, you guys are kind of that? I know somebody that shot somebody with a red rider. I just know somebody. And uh, on July 4th, I know somebody that took those Roman candles, and they, and they got shot with those. I know somebody that did, was involved in I know that. I know that. I know somebody that went home from July 4th and ruined a really nice shirt a time or two. If you've ever shot Roman candles, you can't go home with the same shirt that you, that you went with because, number one, you're getting hit with them. Number two, you're shooting with them. And so I'm just saying I know somebody that's ruined some shirts. Okay? Everybody with me? Is that like, is that over your head? Okay. Did you not get enough coffee this morning? Here we go. Okay. So I, I know somebody that's done that. Okay? And, and I've never murdered anybody. But the deal is, I have I have with my tongue sliced and diced a few people to pieces. I've said some things that probably should have never been said and that I can never go back and take it back. I'm not proud of that. But this morning, hey, let's just be real. I've done that. And if you're real, you'll say, yeah, me too. Never shot anybody. But. I don't think we set out to hurt someone in some of those circumstances. But we did. I don't think we woke up that morning and say, hey, you know, I, I can't wait to hurt somebody today. But the reality is, We did, and now we're dealing with the results of that and have dealt with it most of our lives. We're introduced to this incredible story in Genesis chapter 4. It's a story that maybe you've heard about and you've read about, maybe you haven't paid a lot of attention to, but up to chapter 2 in Genesis, everything was wonderful. Then in chapter 3, everything changes and now a powerful force has entered into the scene and what was so beautiful has now become tainted with nastiness of everything that must revolve around me. The very essence of who we are changed from embracing God to shaking our fist at Him saying, I will have it my way. Thus, we are not sinners because we have committed sins We sin because we are sinners. We do wrong because we are wrong. This murder in Genesis 4 is a story of a twisted nature that occurs in Genesis chapter 3. And I find it odd on how fast sin took over in this story. It wasn't slowly. It wasn't gradually. It was not a, a moment of a generational moment. But in a blink of an eye, not a slow erosion, but a landslide, sin took over and controlled. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me over to Genesis chapter 4, all right, Genesis chapter 4, you can use your iPads, iPhones, phones, phones, phones. Phone. You've got to say that because everybody's got different kinds of phones and all that. I can remember years ago, uh, the kids would come in with their phones and, and I was telling kids, kids, we're in church now, put the phones up. Now I go around saying, kids, we're in church, pull them out <laughs> and please turn, in your bi- turn your Bibles on and so turn your YouTube app or whatever you guys use around here. I hope you, you can follow with us. Genesis chapter 4. I hope you follow. And Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So in verse 2, Cain is named, and his name means, I have created a man just as the Lord did. Abel's name was the breath or vapor or futility. Now, if you, if you go back into some Hebrew cultures and you look at, I'll just play with this just for a moment. So uh, I believe personally that the Father spoke the command at creation in Genesis 1. I believe the Son created what was taking place, and I believe the Spirit made it come alive. So the Father spoke it, the Son created it, the Spirit made it come alive. In Genesis chapter 1, when you talk about the spirit makes it come alive, it's this word of a rock. It's this word of breath. It's this word that he makes the dead come alive. And I am so glad we can take that phrase into our own lives that God is still in the business of making dead people come back alive. Okay? Spiritually, we can look at that and say, I definitely know that for sure. So Cain becomes a farmer and Abel becomes a shepherd. Verse 3. Are you following with me? In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain, his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. So Cain has brought his vegetables and his fruit and Abel has brought the firstborn of the flock. And you look at this and it says, and the Lord was pleased. Cain most likely would have known, okay, I need to bring some kind of a a blood sacrifice on this deal. I mean, we've been talking with God himself and he's been telling us, this is how I want to establish the sacrificial process. And, and I kind of knew I, I was going to do that, but well, you know, it was just going to be a little tough, and I didn't want to go to my brother and make a trade, you know, my vegetables and my fruit for his stupid sheep. So I brought my vegetables and I brought my fruit, but my brother, he brought his firstborn, and the battle began. Cain thought anything would work. Cain brought what was convenient to him but can I remind you this morning God is not interested in what is easy or convenient in your life. God's going to ask you when you decide to follow him God is going to ask you some very tough questions. He's going to ask you to do some tough things. He's going to ask you to do some incredible processes in your journey. In fact, is the reality is when God and you agree to have a relationship, God will eventually ask you for everything you have. Isn't that great? Yeah. I don't get too excited. God will ask you for everything you have. That's where he's going with all of this. He wants you to have a full surrender of your heart to his authority in his journey. So sometimes we bring what's convenient and not what is demanded. God often asks for what's closest to your heart. Parents, he's going to ask you for your kids. There comes a point when you will stand up here with Pastor Kyle and you will dedicate your child back to the Lord. And you will agree God, you gave us this boy and this girl. We now give her back to you. It's not just a symbolism. It's the act of a mom and dad who love their parents who are willing to say, we surrender our kids to you. I wish I could tell you that that is the hardest point of that in the parent's journey, but I can tell you with kids who are in their 30s, Rhonda and I are still, having to leave our children at the altar. There's things that are going on in their journeys. And we have to say, we surrendered them to you years ago. We leave them there today. Hebrews 11.4 reminds us that this offering that Abel was a better sacrifice. So you can see this rub with Cain. He's brought his best. And yet, it seems to be not good enough. In essence, Cain brought his replacement sacrifice. And so I remind you this morning, God's God's not satisfied with your replacement sacrifice. I mean, what, what you want to try to work out with god hey god you know hey um i'll do this if i'll go over there if i'll do this if god's not in the if game when god comes to you and he begins to talk to you about what he's asking you to do that's all there is i just want you to and young men and young women that are here today some of you are going to get called into full-time ministry god is calling your heart it's not an if game. He's saying to you, I want you involved in the kingdom of God in full-time ministry, and your answer cannot be, well, God, if they pay well enough, if it's the right place. Some of you that are here that are adults, God's been calling some of you into ministry here in this local church, and you said, well, you know, the the time's a little tough on that deal. You know, we're coming through COVID, and I don't really don't have enough time at work, and I don't have and God is saying, hey, I need for you to teach, I need for you to usher, I need for you to greet, I need for you to help out in the parking lot, I need, and you're going, well, you know what? It just rains too much here. I mean, I don't want to go out in the parking lot, I'll get my hair wet. Well, that would be all the bald guys that ought to be parked out in the parking lot. God is asking some of you to do ministry, and some of you have said, God, I'll do that, but. verse 5. Notice in 5 when he says this relationship with God, it changed in verse 5. This relationship that they had with each other, it changed in verse 5. And in in that changing, something dynamic happened. And and so, if you'll allow me to uh, kind of illustrate this for us. When our relationship with God is good, when this is going really well, it has a tendency to affect the relationship here, and these go really well. I mean, you know, it's just a good thing. We go to church, and we come home, and man, it's a good day. It's like, oh, that was great. And, and we're spending time as a family in devotions, and, we you know, it's just good. It's just good. But then something happens with this, and it messes up this. We say to God, God, I really don't want to do that. And guys, go, hmm, I wish you wouldn't say that. And the next thing you know, you've got a little agitation going on with anybody that's around you. And those who live close to you, you know, if they had the nerve, every time you get a little, hmm, they would say, they ought to say to you, how are you and the Lord doing? And that would be a sign to say it's a little tough on this level. So in your life, when you're having problems here, you almost always will have problems here. If you're having problems at home, here, probably here. At work, neighbor, family. When things are right here, most likely they'll be right here. So you say, well, you know what? You, you, you don't know who I live with. <laughs> you're right, I don't. But he does. And he knows him or her really well. You say, well, you don't have have my parents. You're right, I don't. But I had mine. And some of you adults, you had yours. And some of the stories that we would share in this room, they would not be pretty stories. Fact is, it would cause us to have tears if we were to sit and tell the stories of our parents that should have loved us and didn't do a very good job of it. this whole thing of this. The whole idea is that that we would be so full of God that it would change who we are. Five years ago, in a setting um, that I was in, I got my life wrecked. Just wrecked. Because in this teaching time, I began to put together some thoughts, and one of the thoughts was, in my journey, I need to live my life so that I am unoffendable to everyone around me. Unoffendable to everyone around me. <laughs> now just think about that for a second. There's a high chance you got offended this morning on the way to church. <laughs> I mean, it's like you looked over at your spouse and said, you are, mm, or you didn't say that and you wanted to say it. Or your kids look back and you're, you're killing your kids to get them to church. Or you're hurry up and do this. Or you got to church and somebody didn't do something and you're like... Ugh. Or you, you're going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to be like, I don't like my boss and I don't like the person there. And I'm going to go to school and I don't like my classmates. And I don't like the guy on the football team and the weight room and the wrestling team and the cheerleader. I don't like... Oh, Here's the catch. We are to be so full of Jesus that we are unoffendable to anyone who comes into our journey. Ooh. Did that hit you? <laughs> Unoffended, So full of Jesus. You say, well, wait just a second. You don't... I, I didn't say it. There's no ifs to it. You don't get to put that in a parameter. You see, Jesus was never offended. Remember on the cross? Today, you will be with me. He's on the cross. I think if the other side would have offered the same that this side offered i think jesus would have said today you will be with me in a place of paradise our task is to live our lives in such a way that we are unoffendable i mean imagine being so full of jesus that hey whatever you do to me you're not gonna bother me because i'm so full of jesus it doesn't matter Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, wouldn't it be great to come to church and nobody would ever offend you and nobody would ever be offended at you? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, why don't we have a church that we actually love each other full bore here? You're supposed to say something. At least please nod your head. I want to go to a church that everybody loves each other without expectations. Please don't put parameters on me. Please don't make me... Just, What does it mean for you to to love and to be unoffended in your journey? Well, for me, it was quite a deal, and it still is, because honestly, I come in circumstances and situations where I can be offended pretty easily. And the Spirit comes and says, Phil... Can you forgive them and can you let that go and be unoffendable? And I I have such a hard time with that. But I want to live that spot. I want to live in that sweet spot of I am, well, you just can't offend me. Whatever you say, whatever you do, you, you just can't do it. I am going to be so full of Jesus that I'm going to love you no matter what you say or what you do to me. And Cain became angry at Abel. And our marriages, our relationships, our friendships, family, they all fall apart and change when the vertical relationship is damaged. Thus, changing our horizontal relationships. Our horizontal is shortened and short-circuited. And our vertical then becomes short-circuited. And we end up with this mess that we've got going on. And now Cain becomes jealous of Abel, and it doesn't take much to start a fire. I don't know if you've ever been involved in a fire, but Ron and I have been involved in a fire where we've lost our house, basically. And I, as a freshman in high school, came home, and um, my dad's large barn that that stored thousands of bales of hay that had been added onto the year before, full of hay that year, had burnt to the ground because a guy that did drugs was told don't start that fire by burning your trash and he did anyway in a a moment in a moment one little spark and it was gone and for some of us i don't know what it takes to light your fire maybe you've looked at somebody in your family or somebody in the church you said that child's toy is nicer than ours and in fact as that happens in the nursery a lot with parents they're like you know i brought this toy in for my kid don't let anybody else play with it you know and some of you who are nursery workers you've heard that line now this is johnny's and don't let anybody else play with it and you and and i know what you want to say well take it home then you know this is for everybody and we get this little "Mm," little thing going on where the parent thinks somehow they're better than the other parent and we don't want anybody else playing with our kids toys or maybe it's at your work where your boss is, is favoring your coworker, And you just feel like it's just, it's just rubbing you all the time. Or maybe it's the coach, and he likes the other player better than he likes you. Or maybe it's the pastor, and he always eats with those folks, but he never eats with us. Or maybe it's those people who always get their way. They seem like somehow they manipulate situations, and they always get their way. And jealousy slips in and it just doesn't make sense. I think that when all this is going on, I think there's an internal wrestling match inside of us. I think we find ourselves at odds even with ourselves. I I think that when we're having issues with people and when, when we're doing the Cain and Abel thing and we're like really getting after each other, I think there's something inside of it that says, Hey don't say that, don't go there. And I think there's an other side of us that says, go right ahead, nail them. And then this other side goes, oh, no, back off, back off. Oh, don't say that, don't say that. This other side is, go, go, man, get them. And we have this internal battle of, no, yes, yeah, yes. And too many times. This side has won in our life. And we've said and we've done things. That we wish we could go back and change. And we'll never have the opportunity. <laughs> I don't know if how Paul did it. But in Romans chapter 7. He nailed this one all over us. This wrestling between the spirit and self. Because Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, (laughs) who would deliver me from this stuff? Because I say what I don't want to say, and I do what I don't want to do, and I act like I don't want to (sighs) act. I don't like being like this. Who's going to fix this? And then he says, In Romans 8, thanks be to God for the grace that comes to do what I can't do. So verse 7, so if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must over rule it sin is looking for an entrance into your life you can be mastered or controlled by sin in other words sin wants to control everything that you do the way that you think the way that you act the places you go what you say what you do he wants to be in charge of your life i grew up in uh in 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 the 70s late 70s early 80s in college some of you were some of you are out there you're with me on this Does anybody here know who Bob Dylan is? All you sinful people. (laughs) Well, Bob Dylan came to know Christ. Late 70s, first part of the 80s. Wrote a song entitled, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Now, I'd play that song for you today, but it's seven verses long, and we'd be here till Jesus comes. All right? But the idea is, you gotta serve somebody. All of us have to... Now, and he would tell you, I, I've heard him say this in his testimony. In his life, he served popularity, sex, drugs, and the crowd. Didn't, he didn't care about anybody else. He was all about himself. And then he came to know Christ, and then he wrote this, that powerful song. And they sang it for years all over the place. you got to serve somebody. I'm telling you this morning, you will serve somebody. You will either serve, or you will serve... Leaving sin unresolved, then. You say, well, uh, I've had this this situation in my life that I just, you know, we'll just leave it alone. I I want you to know that you can't leave sin alone. If something's happened in your life, you say, well, you know, we'll just ignore that and go on. I I want you to know something this morning. You can't do that. It will eventually eat you up And drive you backwards. There will always be something in your life that keeps you from really growing in the Lord. Oftentimes, Scripture talks about a generational curse to the third and fourth generations. There are things in your life that can keep you shackled to the sins of your past and the sins of your family. Let me illustrate that for you this morning. So Rhonda has, my wife, has been sexually molested as a child. And it has affected everything that we are and everything that we do. Everybody with me? Either nod your head or shake your head. Give me some affirmation here. Okay. It's affected everything. So we went to a setting where we had a chance to hear something that was a little different. And it kind of rocked our world, but it really helped us. And we went through a little process on the, on the interstate highway. Just pulled off to the road. Went through a little process. And God began to unlock the chains that had held Rhonda. Bondage for all of her life. One chain at a time. Then we were in revival with Nathan Covington. And we were talking about this thing that was going on in her life. And we have three girls. And we didn't want our daughters to have to go through this. We would found out that Rhonda's mom most likely had been molested, and that her grandma had been molested. And if you're sitting in this room, there's a high chance that 25 to 40% of you ladies have been molested in some way. So I'm not talking to the choir. I'm talking to the people who know what I'm talking about this morning. And and we went through a process of scripture and prayer that night in our house. And at two o'clock in the morning, we finished. And finally, the first time in Rhonda's life, he felt like she was totally free that every chain had been broke in that journey in her life now it changed everything okay it changed everything but what i'm trying to tell you this morning is that sin wants to grab hold of you and it wants to settle in and it wants to control you and it wants to master you and it wants to do whatever it will take to destroy your life We cannot afford to hesitate or to let wrong linger in your life. If there's things in your life that you know you need to deal with, it is time in your life today before you leave to deal with it and to let it go. So Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Abel killed him. It started out as a meal. And then it happened. And the truth is, it always happens. Cain, whose translation is I created, becomes the first destroyer of life. And I can't help but think that Cain went out to the field and where he met Abel. And as he killed his only brother, I can't help but think that when he had finished the deed, he slipped down to the ground. And with tears rolling down his face, he held his brother in his arms and he said, I am so sorry. The problem with that is some of us with our tongues have done exactly the same thing. We've slashed and dashed people to death around us. Sin will cause you to do things you never thought you would do. Sin will cause you to act like you thought you would never act. Sin will cause you to bring, do things in your life that you never thought you would do say things act a certain way stay mad at people you once loved i I wish i could tell you that I, i that the funerals that i've done in my life that i've never had anybody that were that was mad at anybody in the family at a funeral but i've done enough funerals over 30 some years to tell you i've done funerals where people walked into the funeral home to view the body for the first time And it was all they could do to stand in the room with that brother or that sister. In fact, if they'd have had their way, if they could have got out of it, they wouldn't have even been in the room. And then, to the extreme of that, I've had people who would not meet with the other side of the family in that room to see their mom or their dad for the first time. What in the world? That we have let sin and the past so grip our lives that we have let something that happened 30 years ago keep us from loving our brothers and our sisters, from our own mom and dad. We have let things, and we've held on to things in our lives, and we said, I am not going to forgive them. Why? It was just words spoken at the wrong time in the heat of the moment why can't we forgive them and let it go some of you are here this morning you've got a mom or dad they said some things to you they should have never said to you and you've held it can i tell you today you could be free this morning You don't have to walk around with chains binding you down. You don't have to walk walk around with the past controlling you. You can be set free. The past does not have to dictate your future. You can be free in Christ. I wish I could tell you that every time that happened, I went to the family and I said, hey, listen, this is a funeral your mom and dad. We're not going to put up with this. You folks get over this thing, get to hugging and kissing each other. We're going to have a meal together. We're all going to be good. I wish I could tell you that, but I'm telling you, I have done those funerals and those folks, brothers and sisters, sit there mad as can be at each other in the middle of a funeral. I have cousins that cannot even talk to the, each other. I have cousins that are brothers who do not. They live miles apart. Ten miles apart. They won't even talk to each other. How about you? You got anybody in your list? And when they got done, when Cain had finish his words he came back in verse 9 if you're following with me in your Bibles or your phones and the Lord said to Cain where is your brother Abel <laughs> have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit asked him really stupid questions I mean you know it's like um, you're sitting in church and he's saying you, you hear what the, what the preacher's saying today and you're like going yeah that's really not the question he's asking. It's Jesus walking up to the blind man, saying, "Do you want to see today?" <laughs> and all of us who read that go, "What in the world is Jesus thinking?" It's, he's blind. He's been blind since birth. Of course, he wants to see. And he answers, "Yes." He goes to Jesus, he goes to the to the cripple at the pool, and it says, do you want to walk? And I don't know how you read that, but every once in a while you you read those, and you want to go, really? Did you really ask that question? I mean, what's that about? And here's what I've determined. Jesus didn't ask it for himself. Jesus asked it for... He comes to you today, and he says... Do you, do you want to be free today? <laughs> and we want to say to Jesus, are you kidding me? No, I really like walking around in these shackles. I mean, they fit so good when I put on my jeans. I like being manipulated by my mom and dad who are dead for 20 years. I like it when I go to the grocery store and I see the person that's done me wrong and I'm walking down the grocery aisle and I see the person and I recognize them and what do I do? I go to the next aisle, right? All you saints, hmm It's kind of the neck problem. You've heard of the neck problem when you're driving, have you? It's, you know, in a town like this, you often you know who drives what car. Even in this size of town, and you see that pickup, and that's the guy that was the jerk to you, and you know he's coming, and you get the neck problem. You know what the neck problem is, don't you? It's when you're driving, you go oh, <laughs> and you're looking over here, oh, and you miss the guy because he just. I mean, you know, we get a neck problem. <laughs> it's the grocery store aisle problem. It's now watch this. This ought to just it just gripes me even when I think about it myself. Yes is the person who's driving the truck and in the aisle, that person is still yanking my chain. Chink, chink, chink. If I've dealt with it, I ought to be waving at the guy. Hey, love Jesus. (laughs) See him in the grocery store, woo! How you doing? You see, because I'm, I'm so full of Jesus, I'm unoffendable. But in a room this size with this many people, there are some of you, you know exactly what I'm saying. There's somebody in your life and they're just chink, chink, chink. And you've put up with it for years. What a question to ask. When you look at that, <laughs> my response is, I, I, I'm sure I would have been like his response. A little smart luck on the whole deal. You know. Well, am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> I mean like, who am I? He, you know, he's a big guy, I don't have to watch over him. And then in, in 10 he says, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And I know exactly what happened and I know what caused this. There was unresolved sin in your heart heart, and you wouldn't let it go. Unresolved sin will destroy you. The fact is, the reality is that no sin is ever unseen. There's nothing that you can do that you're thinking, well, you know, God, God didn't know about that one i hate to tell you this but god has seen everything you've done and here's the hard part he has read every thought you've ever thought dr fine used to say at school he said come 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 the day when we stand before jesus he said what happens if not when they go to read from the book of life and and they talk about the things that we've done and then finally they will say covered by the blood of the lamb and come on in it'll be a great moment but i i don't know if they're going to do this dr fine he wasn't for sure and i don't know either but what happens if before all of all of heaven your life is red all the things that you've thought and all the things that you've done I mean it's like who please Jesus don't let that one happen. I like the cover by the blood part. Not that other part. There will be a penalty of sin. And his influence this penalty of sin this this decision that we made it will last forever. And the price of unforgiven sin is way too great a price for us to pay. I, I hit this in the first service, and I think I should hit it in this, this service really quickly. And here's the danger of, of us doing things that we don't think hurt people. And one of those ways is we get on the media. We get on Facebook, and we text, and we email, and we do all these things. And we respond in ways that Jesus is not thrilled with, right? You know, you you jump into a a Facebook comments and you're like, I'm going to really lay them low. Here's the problem with that. Something that's been built into our culture in the last 20 years is is that we say things in the media and on the computer and on our phones that we would never say face-to-face. We somehow think that that has differentiated us, and I can say whatever I'm saying as long as I'm not standing in front of them. I had a prof the other day tell me that they're having to teach students how to interview because students do not know how to interview because they do not know how to look people in the face and have an interview. I thought, do what? Yeah, he said, our students don't know how to look up and answer a question. I said, no way. And he was saying, that's what the class is for, Phil. We're teaching them to get their heads up and to look me in the eye when they answer the question. And I said, what is that from? He said, it's because we have a culture that's had their face in a phone, in a phone or on a computer, and they no longer have dialogue through their eyes. Just think about that for a second. Here's what I want to say to you on this is if, you, if you've done some things that you shouldn't have done on, in the media, number one, you need to repent and straighten it out. Number three, don't ever do it again. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? We have too much of saying things and having a mess left over. We've all dealt with it. This whole thing of saying things with our mouths and cutting people to shreds. Not forgiving them. Not being full of Jesus so that we can be, live a life of being undefendable. It's really real in our own lives, in our own journeys. We were at a gospel, Southern Gospel concert here this last week and a group called the Hoppers uh, have come out with a brand new song that talks about time. And um, Have you you been to Silverdark City and and rode the Time Traveler? Anybody here rode the Time Traveler? Okay. Well, some of you. You really need to get out of life. (laughs) So so the Time Traveler has a clock in it. And it has a microphone or a a speaker behind the clock. And as you're walking, you hear this clock, clock, clock. It's this weird It's not a click, it's a clock. clock. And if you're around there, it drives you nuts. Okay? I was listening to the hopper sing this song about the time of the clock is drawing close to the end. And I pictured in my head. I literally was picturing this. I saw this hand coming down. Click, clock, 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 clock. And I thought, in the words of their song, time is clicking down to an end. <laughs> you don't have to be a genius at this point in in life to read in the Book of Daniel, to read Matthew chapter twenty-four, to start reading in Revelations, especially twenty twenty-one, and go, you know, maybe, just maybe signs of the times are everywhere and there is a brand new feeling in the air and maybe just maybe he is getting ready to split the eastern sky and maybe just maybe the father's getting ready to look over at the sun and say go get my kids i don't know i mean what happens today and i'm not trying to manipulate you so i don't want you to think that but, but i want you to understand this what happens today if we're on the way home and dad looks over at son and says click it'll over it'll be over just like that we will be done i told Rhonda, i was watching a, a, a little click on a clip of a facebook or whatever it was it was a black church and they had done a rendition of the second coming i would never seen one done like this and uh and my, i'm not bad-mouthing or i'm just saying if you've been to a black cultural church you know the dress is a little different i mean they come dressed up okay The ladies got their hats on the guys are in suits it's you know it's kind of like going to a hispanic church i mean it's it, they're, they're they're there and the scene is this there's weeping all over the sanctuary and there's clothes everywhere and this guy comes in and he is crying Coming in the back door. And he comes all the way to the front. And he comes around to the front seat. And he literally comes right there. And he grabs the clothes. And here's, here's the picture of that. It was his wife. He knew what she had worn when she left the house that morning before she went to church. And he knew where she sat at in church. And he came around and he looked and he knew exactly where she would be. And she wasn't there. In, the, in, the, in this clip, it shows him he just falls to the floor... Grabs her clothes. I thought I was ready, and I could tell you the stories of it. But here, I just—here's what I want to say. Times of the clock are drawing close. If there ever was a time he's he's closer to coming than he's ever been, it's today. We all know that. We look at scripture and go, how could prophecy have prophesied all the things that they've done in the last few years? And it's incredible. What about you? If that clock clicks this afternoon on one o'clock, is there anything that you have in your journey that you wished you wouldn't have had? Anything that you said any action that you've done, healing from the past, any change you want to be freed of today before the master comes, I would ask you, no, no, I would beg you this morning to respond to the Jesus who's knocking at your shoulder right now. And he's saying, I'd love to have a conversation with you before you leave it's- Jesus, we need you right now. So we ask you to come and settle in this place. Give us the strength it's going to take to do what we need to do to cause your heart to smile. while heads are bowed and eyes are closed let me, do, let me do it this way for us this morning no one's looking around you don't have to worry about anybody else seeing what you're getting ready to do but maybe there are some of you this morning you would say Pastor Phil before you leave I want you to pray for me this morning I've got some chains or I've done some things or I've said some things that, that are not right And I'm not leaving this room until it's taken care of. Here, just a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up right where you're sitting. And you're just going to identify, you're going to say, that's me. I want you to pray for me. So I just want you to get ready here in just a moment. But if the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I'd love love to visit with you this morning. if he's saying to you, you don't have to be bound in chains any longer. I can set you free from that. If he's saying to you, I can fill you with more of me than you've ever dreamed, was capable of? What would it be like to live your life unoffendable for the kingdom? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed no one's looking around. How many of you would say, Pastor Phil, before you leave, would you pray for me this morning? Just slip your hand up really quickly, let me see it, and then put it right back. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I don't do long altar calls anymore. If the Lord's speaking, you'll have to respond. Anybody else? You say, Pastor, Phil, pray for me. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home the way I came in this morning. Anybody else? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Let's pray together. In the strong name of the risen Christ, we approach the throne room of the living God, who is all powerful. And right now, in that name and in that authority, Satan, we take authority over you and the demons of hell, and we say to you, you cannot have these children. God's child, God's children, you can't have them. And we release the work of the Spirit now to pervade this room and to pervade lives and pervade hearts and where Satan has taken up residence and thought he had his way as a squatter in the kingdom of God. In the name and the authority of Christ, we cast you from our hearts and our lives. We rebuke you in the strong name and the authority of Jesus Christ. You have no place in our journeys today. I pray right now for a healing for those Who think they have been bound by the chains of the past. God, I pray you'd reach into their past and you'd begin to do a healing. And if they need to have conversations with Pastor Kyle, God, I pray you'd give them the courage to look him in the eye and say, I wanna be free, Pastor. I need help. And I pray, God, that you will help them in that process. I pray for for those ladies something happened, it wasn't their fault years ago but some things happened in their life and it has literally almost destroyed them at times God I pray you'd reach right now into the past of their lives and give them hope and give them healing they don't have to stay where they're at there is freedom in Christ God do something this morning that only you can do And for those of us who are praying, oh God, I want to be so full of you that it doesn't matter who's driving that truck down the street or who I'm seeing in the grocery store. I'm not turning my head and I'm not going down another aisle the next time I'm waving at him and saying, God bless you. Because I want to be so full of you that you're the one doing the waving and you're the one doing the speaking. God, whatever we have this morning, some unforgiveness, somebody said something, they did something to us years ago, and we've held on to it. Oh God, help us to let it go. And we can only do that in you. I pray, Father, that you'd give them the courage that even if they were the ones that were offended, that right now, you'd give them the strength to forgive the one who offended them. Right now, give them grant. Give them grace. Give them strength. And finally, I pray there will be a freedom. God, I pray that from this point on, for some of them, they will experience a new freedom that they've never experienced before in their life. God, I pray you'll do something that only only you could do. Only you could do. Bless them. Bless them abundantly, I pray. Now I pray for the church this morning. I pray for Pastor Kyle and his staff as they lead. I pray this morning you will bless them indeed. I pray that you will enlarge their territories. That their hand of anoint that your hand of anointing would be upon them. And I pray this morning you would keep them from evil and cause, causing harm to others. And do all of this. For your glory and for your honor, we're grateful for what you've done this morning. In Christ's powerful name, the church in agreement said.